Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Today we are going to be talking about memory loss, in particular Alzheimer's dementia. What is it? What research is happening right here in the islands? And what new medications have come out that are potentially some game changers in the field of Alzheimer's treatment? I'm happy to be joined today by Dr. Corey Leo. He is the head of Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. And by Catherine Mitchell. She is a research coordinator there. And thank you both for joining me today in the studio. Happy to have you back. Our pleasure. Aloha, Dr. Kozak. Thank you for having us, Dr. Kozak. Well, let's talk a little bit first about Alzheimer's, because I think there's a lot of folks who hear the word dementia, they assume it's one and the same. They're not really quite sure exactly what this condition is. Uh, Dr. Liao, how would you describe Alzheimer's? I realize that's a loaded question, but how would you describe it and how would you address that in, in your office? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Dr. Kozak. Uh, dementia mainly is just a disease of the brain, uh, which is manifest by memory loss to the extent that it impairs the activities of daily living, you know, where the pace person could no longer uh, function independently. Alzheimer's dementia is a type of dementia. So, so dementia could also be other type of dementia, like vascular dementia from stroke, frontotemporal dementia. So Alzheimer's by far is the most common type in America. So um, so in other words, Alzheimer's dementia is a type of dementia. Now, if you saw somebody or if somebody at home was saying, you know, I forget stuff, I forget names, I forget places, I walk in a room, I forget what I was doing there. Simple forgetfulness is not necessarily dementia. That's correct. Yeah. For example, with aging, we also seen some uh, normal uh, forgetfulness, uh, you know, perhaps uh, 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 mom or dad just kind of lost the key, forgot where they put it. But the difference between an Alzheimer's patient is mom and dad, when they lose the key, they could kind of trace it back, could, couldn't find it. In an Alzheimer's patient, they, they just have no idea where they put it. You know, so they're often the one that they get lost in the parking lot at Alamoana. They forgot where they put the car, you know. So so in normal forgetfulness, normal aging forgetfulness, they could kind of trace it back, you know. But in Alzheimer's patient, they just no way of doing that. Now, what are some of the risk factors for getting Alzheimer's? I mean, I think... You know, all of us are going to get older over time, and we're going to maybe not be as sharp as we used to be. But are there certain risk factors that would make somebody more likely to be concerned about it? Yeah, absolutely. So first, Dr. Kozak, uh, the biggest risk factor is really age. You know, so somebody as young as you, you don't have to worry about it. You know, uh, somebody as old as me, you know, uh, certainly uh, uh, anyone. It is said that people it, over 65, one in eight people, over 85, one in three people, and over 95 is one in two people. You know, so by far, age is the biggest risk factor. Another risk factor is uh, genetics. So there is several ways to look at it. There's some uh, deterministic gene, which means that if you have it, you know, you're going to have them. You know, you could even have early onset Alzheimer's, which is those that occur before 55 years old. And then those uh, that the more common gene is the apple E gene, you know, that 
Yeah, you have it increases your risk, but it may not necessarily have them. And then we also know that lifestyle does increase the risk too. We also know that um, people uh, who are sedentary, who are not so active, uh, tend to have a slightly higher risk. And uh, we also know that uh, people who uh, are high functioning, for example, the uh, the really smart people, the lawyers, you know, the doctors, they tend to have a higher capacity, so they have a slightly lower risk. And other things like lifestyle, like exercise, could also, especially aerobic exercise, have also been proven to lower the risk of Alzheimer's as well. So it's it's really very complicated, but there are some good data to support that. You know, simple lifestyle changes, eating better, you know, a plant-based diet uh, could actually help with lowering the risk of Alzheimer's. Exercise could lower the risk of Alzheimer's. Yeah, I've heard it said if it's good for your heart, mm-hmm. it's good for your brain. So the exercise, yes. the aerobics, the healthy eating. What about social interactions? You know, do you think loneliness or being isolated is by itself a risk factor? Or do you think it's maybe just secondary to not having a memory that you remember friends? Or or could it be intertwined? Well, there are several studies that looked at uh, how people use their brain. Uh, the people that tends to involve different domains of the brain, meaning that different parts of the brain where it involves visual, involve talking, involve moving, that, you know, tends to have a slower rate of decline in Alzheimer's and even slow, lower the risk, which equates to social interaction. So uh, I always encourage my patient, you know, that when if you really want to do, make a difference, Get out there, you know, go and do some volunteer work, you know, uh, get off watching TV, get off, you know, call a friend, you know, uh, anything that involves multiple domains of the brain uh, tends to uh, uh, activate the brain and tries to rebuild some of the network that could degenerate loss in the degeneration of the brain. Yeah, I often tell patients, don't just watch the news and passively receive it. Get a newspaper, read the news, then try and summarize it for a family member. Tell them what you read so that that way you can kind of even get that additional interaction so that you will have that multiple levels of brain functioning like you mentioned. Now, there's a lot of studies that are going on looking at Alzheimer's and it's not just – it's it's ranging from prevention to just genetics to treatment. What are some of the – research trials that are happening right here in the islands. Catherine, I know you're involved in this quite a bit. What are some of the things that we're looking at? Because sometimes people people feel like we're not doing enough local research right here, mm-hmm. but uh, you guys are doing a lot of it. Yes, and it's very important that um, we want to let the community know that there are these trials for the community out there in Hawaii because, as you know, with clinical trials, what's really important is the demographics. What can Hawaii offer for the research world? And as you know, with our local culture, it's just very important that we have these um, robust data in Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in their Native Hawaiian population because Our data is able to offer um, the world, really, um, more important um, points because of our local culture. And for our local research trials right now, we have various trials looking for um, preclinical where, you know, you may not 
realize you have a memory problem, but you find yourself forgetting things here and there, and things are changing from last year that you could do, but now you realize you cannot do, to the more moderate Alzheimer's um, type where it's the disease has progressed for years and um, family members want to have hope because, as you may know, right now there are five approved FDA uh, medications on the market. However, none of those medications are what we call disease-modifying therapies. Now, what does disease-modifying therapies mean? Is that for Alzheimer's disease, the hallmark are amyloid plaque and tau tangles, or a type of bad protein in the brain, as I like to call it. And all of the approved FDA medications currently is treating the memory. However, it's not treating the underlying reason for the disease. Now, if you want to think about it this way, um, Dr. Kozak, if you have a fever, what do you take? Tylenol. Tylenol, exactly. I would take Tylenol too. However, if you keep taking Tylenol, but say you have a hand infection on your hand, mm. what will happen to the fever? Will it just keep coming back? Well, it'll keep coming back and that infection will get worse. Exactly. So until you treat the hand infection with antibiotics and treat that the underlying reason for the fever will never be addressed. So while Tylenol may help for the fever, if you do not have the antibiotics to treat the hand infection, then really it's just going to be a vicious cycle. So we see that currently with Alzheimer's um, disease, quote-unquote, treatments, because the five medications on the market right now, your Mimantin, your Aricept, they only treat the memory problems but do not treat the underlying disease um, the underlying disease with the amyloid plaque and tau tangles. So with our current clinical trials in um, in Hawaii, they are treating the underlying disease. So it's disease-modifying therapies. And this is very novel. It's very new. We're very excited because now we are able to offer our community these new treatments, whereas previously they would have to fly to Stanford, have to fly to Los Angeles, San Diego, in order to get access to this. So really, Dr. Liao's vision and HPN's vision is to bring access to the community and in return, our community is able to offer a much more robust data with our various um, demographics. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk about one of these new medicines. Just got FDA approval, and it's a bit of a controversy. And we'll talk some more with Dr. Liao and Catherine Mitchell about what are their thoughts and how we can move forward to help the population of patients with Alzheimer's dementia. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Honolulu Waldorf School. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today we're talking with Dr. Corey Liao from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience and Catherine Mitchell, and we're talking about Alzheimer's dementia. Now, right before the break, we were talking about the different medicines that have been approved for Alzheimer's, and they are medications that generally treat the memory, similar to taking Tylenol without really addressing the source of the fever. But there's a new medicine that just got FDA approval, and that's kind of an interesting possible game changer. Dr. Liao, what do you know about the medication the FDA approved? I think it's Aduhelm. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, on the first week of June, uh, FDA uh, issued an FDA approval for Aduhelm or Aducanumab uh, medicine uh, developed by Biogen. 
Um, and uh, this medicine has been uh, in clinical trial probably since the early 2012, um, you know, through several phases. Um, and the approval process, um, uh, it, it, after it got gone through what we call a phase three clinical trial uh, on two of the big phase three uh, clinical trials called Emerge and Engage, you know, those are terms that you use. Uh, so phase three mainly look at efficacy, how well the drug works. And uh, it involved about 1,300 patients uh, for each of the Emerge and Engage trial. And um, the initial data in March of 2019, uh, the decision was actually to pull the drug, uh, stop the clinical trial. Uh, initially, they thought that the um, it wasn't working as well, what they call the primary endpoint, where they look at to see if the drug helped with the memory. Uh, however, later on, uh, probably in late 2019, uh, the, uh, the companies again approached uh, FDA to say that, hey, maybe there could be something. And uh, so they presented the data basically on uh, the PET imaging data, what they call ARIA, uh, amyloid-related um, uh, imaging abnormalities, saying that, the drug could possibly reduce the amount of, um, you know, uh, amyloid in the brain in patients taking high dose. So, uh, so there was uh, sort of a rehash of interest, you know. Um, and at that point, the FDA uh, committee, so FDA is uh, consult the advisory committee, out of the eleven members of the committee, uh, eight voted no to approve the drug, and two voted uncertain. One voted yes, so the initial decision was not to approve the drug. Um, however, uh, after that, the uh, the the uh, organization pursued what they call accelerated approval process by the FDA, which means that you don't really have to have strong data. You just have to prove that there's an unmet need. And uh, even though your primary endpoint, which is the memory test, didn't show the results that you need, but the surrogate marker, which is the imaging marker, uh, perhaps could show something uh, positive. So uh, based on that data, uh, FDA in the first week of June issued the accelerated approval process. So, so that's where we are. So now when they looked at those studies, the EMERGE study, the ENGAGE study, they were looking at a particular subset of patients diagnosed with Alzheimer's. It wasn't the full spectrum of patients. What particular area were they looking at that showed the most promise? That's correct. Yeah, good point. So the patients that uh, benefited most from the uh, Eduham drug is uh, patients uh, given high dose. Uh, basically, I believe it's 15 milligrams per kilogram of drug as well as uh, patients who are in the early disease stage. So what do you mean by early disease stage? That means even patients who may not even have any memory loss, but they know that they have Alzheimer's, mainly based on the uh, amyloid uh, PET imaging or from the spinal fluid test. So these are the patients that are what we call subset of patients that are early on and also uh, receive high dose of the drug. Uh, so that's what the data were based on. Uh, so... Uh, in, in other words, we, we don't really know if the drug will work for most of the patients who may be a little bit further along or the patients who do not receive a high dose of the drug. You know, so we don't really have that data. 
for for um, to to really uh, um, to really make a statement or conclusion. Now, I think the goal, at least at this point, is to have some follow up studies to see if they do see a benefit for those folks. Is that something that? When you look at the numbers of people who potentially could be eligible to use the medication, should it be targeted to those early diagnosis folks in order to really track to see if there's a benefit? Or do you think it should be given to anybody with a clinical diagnosis who has a finding of amyloid plaque in spinal fluid or finding of amyloid in a PET scan, a specific targeted PET scan? Because I guess that's really where... You know, I've even had patients ask me already, am I a candidate and or is my loved one a candidate? And if they have fairly advanced symptoms, that's not really the population that I see the study proved any efficacy. And so I'm kind of telling them this isn't really you you don't want to be the first person to do this. This may not work for you based on the the people who their loved ones they're asking for. Usually the ones who are fairly advanced aren't asking about it themselves, but for someone else. That didn't seem to be the correct target, but is that is that limiting the group of people that are eligible, or is that pretty much following where the science has led? Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's the you're absolutely correct. Part of the accelerated approval process for the FDA required is that uh, the organization does uh, continue post marketing study, what we call phase four study, and uh, FDA have the option to recant the approval, you know, if the mm. data doesn't show uh, to be robust, uh, just like a drug like Avastin uh, in the past have been recant approval. Uh, so, but it's once that the approval is granted here, you know, just like your patients have kind of approached you or family members have approached you, it's a little bit more difficult to um, to control the data because you're going to have patients in even a late stage uh, who may qualify, you know. So uh, right now, so what What we would uh, like to suggest, what we recommend is that we continue to um, continue the scientific process, continue the data collection. We would like to continue to uh, uh, do a vigorous uh, screening process, only enroll uh, patients who are in the early stages by doing the memory tests and um, knowing that this drug is uh, uh, may not be effective for patients with late stages, you know, uh, so the challenge with enrolling, uh, looking for patients in early stages is obviously uh, how do we know that you have Alzheimer's if you are so early you may not even have memory loss, you know, uh, most people are not, if I don't have any problem, why would I want to do something about it? You know, so um, especially in in Hawaii, where we do not have PET imaging, mm. the only option is to get a spinal tap. You know, uh, uh, do you want to volunteer for a spinal tap, Doctor Kozak? I, 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 it's not always a pleasant process. You know, uh, so so there are some barriers to uh, to collecting good data now that approval is uh, granted. However, uh, our organization as uh, our clinical research center is committed to uh, follow through with the phase four trial data. We have been approached to collect this data on behalf of um, the organization uh, for submission to FDA. Uh, So we are very committed to to enroll patients who are early on. So it seems like the drug seems to work patients who are early on. That means that you must be willing to take a spinal tap uh, and and be willing to do once a month IV infusion, you know, uh, and the most common side effects are diarrhea, headache, and dizziness. Uh, 
you know, uh, in a clinical trial so far, there hasn't been any bad or dangerous uh, side effects. In the very early phase one trial, there has been micro hemorrhages or micro bleeding in the uh, in the animal specimens, but that, that has not happened in humans. So, so that's the good part. Uh, and uh, we're committed to 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 following through the process, contributed to data. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Aduhelm and what about the cost? Because that's another consideration we've heard in the media is potentially going to be a barrier to some folks is just how much that potential investment could be. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Ulupono Initiative. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today we are talking about Alzheimer's disease and what are some of the new medications out there and what are some of the costs associated with that. I have Dr. Corey Liao and Catherine Mitchell from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience in the studio, and we've been talking about Aduhelm. Now, right before the break, we talked a little bit about the clinical indications. And Catherine, you've run a lot of clinical trials. In cases where people want to use certain medications Cost is often a barrier, yes. particularly for something that might be as expensive as, you know, fifty six, fifty seven thousand dollars $57,000 a year for a medication, and no one's really sure how long they might be using it. What are some of the, what are some of the thoughts you have about medications and the cost? If this passes through clinical trials, do you see a lot of people struggling with financial issues to afford their medications, and could this make it worse? That is a great question, Dr. Kozak, and definitely this is, I would say, one of the most important questions that our families are asking because $56,000 is a big ask, and it's out of reach for the majority of our folks in our community. But the thing that we have to realize is that for the Aduhelm, the reason why the FDA is pushing for the phase four um, post-market trial is because we need to restore trust in the community and we need to have consumer confidence. It doesn't um, sit well with the community when they read that the FDA um, approved a drug that may or may not work based on the data. However, that is the purpose of the phase four trial because we have nine years to prove Aduhelm, will this work the way we think it works? Let's see if it works over five years, six years, seven years. You know, how can we restore the trust in the community and and assure people this is a drug that you can use for your loved one, you know? You can give grandma a few more years with her grandchildren. You can have grandpa take this and it will build longer memories. Once again, um, going back to the disease-modifying therapy, Aduhelm is proven to lower the amount of amyloid plaque in the brain. Now, with the amyloid hypothesis, it hasn't shown that clinically it has um, decreased what we're looking for. But that's why the point of the clinical trial is to see, does it work? Is it, what's the efficacy? And I think that having nine years to have the post-market trial is very smart. And I think it's necessary because right now there is a lot of uncertainty in the community and rightfully so. You have um, folks saying, you know, we need something to approve because we have millions of folks and millions of Americans who are currently living and 
suffering with Alzheimer's disease. But on the other side of the spectrum is, you know, you really want a quality medication that works the way that the doctors will prescribe. So you have um, prescribing confidence <laughs> with that. But one of the um, highlights for research is that it is free for patients. And once again, the $56,000 with the prescription, that is a huge ask. And it, I'm quite frankly, I am very concerned about the cost. It is something that worries me. But I think that um, with research and with the opportunity for folks to participate, that is one option for families. Well, that's certainly a lot of, uh, that's a lot of trust we have to restore. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm curious because there are some other medicines coming down the pike. I'm sure, you know, once we hear about one medicine that is like this, there's invariably going to be other companies Mm -hmm. that have uh, somewhat similar or somewhat different products that are following the same path of disease modification. I'm curious, Dr. Leah, where do you see the world of dementia going in the future? Do you see that we're going to move more towards these antibody types therapies? Are we going to move more towards genetics? Where do you think we're headed? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking that. So I I am sort of uh, I'm excited about the approval, uh, but I'm, I'm also cautious. You know, uh, as a pay, um, you know, my, my mom personally actually passed away from Alzheimer's. So this is actually very personal to me. So uh, a, a, as a family member, as a patient advocate, I'm excited for the approval process. But uh, as a physician and scientist, I'm cautious. Uh, and, and I, you know, I would like more data. Uh, to me, uh, Eduham and the monoclonal antibodies is just one uh, route. You know, um, what we're what I'm really excited about is the next, perhaps next five to ten years, we are developing multiple mechanistic pathway. One of the uh, two of the clinical trials that we're currently involved in, um, two of them are NIH-funded trials, are actually looking at neurometabolic pathway. You know, um, with the um, with the uh, fact that uh, perhaps uh, in 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 it is Alzheimer's could it be due to problem with glucose metabolism, sugar metabolism, lipid metabolism. This is an upstream problem on the brain. You know, by the time the amyloid plaque is accumulated there, perhaps it's too late. How do we modify, uh, how do we change the transport system in the neurons and especially the glucose uh, transport on the neuron? And uh, so two of the clinical trials that we're looking at are actually anti-actually um, um, diabetic medication. So uh, we, we are wondering if Alzheimer's could be a type 3 diabetes. So uh, some of these medications are very exciting. You know, we know that Alzheimer's and uh, diabetes are both have problem with insulin resistance. Uh, we know that uh, diabetic patients also have accelerated uh, uh, dementia rate. So, um, so we are really excited about looking at some of the other pathway that could be more upstream. You know, so um, we we are we're keeping very optimistic, and uh, we like to encourage our callers to to call us uh, at the Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience Clinical Research Center, whether just for uh, a memory evaluation or for potential research option in Alzheimer's. And I think Catherine can give us that information. Exactly, and as Dr. Liao had mentioned, with type three diabetes and um, looking at neurometabolic um, pathways, you really 
see that Alzheimer's disease is more about um, health and wellness. So definitely, as Dr. Navao mentioned, for Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, we have a team of physicians, and you have your geriatrician who does an initial memory consult. You have Dr. Liao who reads the MRI, and it's having the team of um, care support in in your corner and then having a a holistic approach to it because it's not only just memory at this point, but definitely for Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, give us a call if you're interested in having a memory consult. Our phone number is 261-4476 and we take all Hawaii insurances. Once again, that number is 261-4476. All right, I want to thank both of you for sharing your expertise with us today here on The Body Show. Lots of great information and a lot of future direction so that we can all hopefully help to support and change the trajectory of Alzheimer's disease right here in Hawaii. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We will see you next week right here on The Body Show. See you then. Thank mm-hmm. you.